Hey there, and welcome to What the 50 Podcast, a show for women of a certain age. You know who you are because it's never too late to start living your best life. I'm your host, Cindy Bell. Let's get this started. Here we go. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast, What the 50, a podcast for women of a certain age, just like my book, a book for women of a certain age, What the 50. I am super excited to have my special guest today. Her name is Lisa McGrath. Hey, Lisa. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. I am excited for the audience to get to know you because you are a woman with an amazing story and you're also a woman of a certain age, right? And that's the audience is we're talking to women 50 and up and basically talking about life lessons and things we've been through and things we've experienced and how that has made us into who we are today and what stories and lessons we can share with other women to sort of reach back and bring everybody forward with us. And you are, I know a little bit about your background in history because we've chatted briefly, but you're going to fill us in. You, um, I wanted to, I have three different titles so far for this episode. (laughs) I can't pick one, but maybe I'll uh, give them to you and you can tell me which one's most accurate. Your Life 2.0, Living in Your Four Rooms, and You're Not at a Dead End, You're at a Crossroads. All three of those represent who I am and what I do. Excellent. So I love it. So Your Life 2.0, Living in Your Four Rooms, and You're Not at a Dead End, You're at a Crossroads. What do you want to start with? How do you want to open this up? Just tell me about you, your background, and how you came to be where you are today, what you're doing today, why it matters. Okay, great. I can do that. So in a, in a nutshell, to make a long story short, I found myself homeless at 14 years old. And so to find solace, I headed to the library. And in the library, I read books. Lisa, how does, how does one become homeless at 14? Did you just leave home? Uh, no, it was a blended family okay. and um, I come from a very large family and I was toward the end of the line. I only had my little brother after me, but at one by one, um, each of my siblings was leaving home because my stepmother didn't want us there. Wow. And so it was really a Cinderella story. And so she told me I wasn't welcome and not to come back. What does that do to a a young psyche? I mean, I know I'm digressing a little bit, but I just can't even imagine what that, what that did to you. Well, here's how I would explain it. Think of a grandfather clock and you have that pendulum that goes back and forth. Some people hear the word, you can't, you're not good enough. And they take that in, you know, that can be from a parent, a coach, a religious person, your teachers. And so the pendulum swings to far to one side and they give up they don't even bother to try and then for me it went the whole other way and I said I'm going to prove you wrong wow so hearing you're not going to amount to anything you're not good enough um even you know I wanted to be um my English teacher you know he said what do you want to do I said I want to be a playwright I want to be an author and he said no you're a woman you get married you have children that's what you do and so I heard that same message, but I also heard that I wasn't good enough and I wouldn't graduate high school. And, and so all of these things were happening. And at 14, I went to the library and I started reading books and I stayed in school because I wanted to prove those authorities in my life wrong. Right. I wanted to get a diploma from high school. That was my first goal. But then I went on to college and I, and again, my, my younger son, well, they actually both would call me an overachiever because I couldn't know when to stop because I was right. trying to prove to them that, yes, I can achieve and yes, I can do. And that's how I became America's achievement coach. I help everyone achieve their goals, personal and professional, because I know we have personal powers that allow us to do so. So in my reading, I found a little Indian proverb and it's um, called a house with four rooms. And it states that we should each think of ourselves as having four rooms, a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual room. And the proverb explains we need to go into each one of these four rooms daily to be a complete person. But it goes on to warn us 
not to spend any length of time in one room over another. Hmm. And oftentimes as women, we put ourselves on the back burner, we take care of everyone else, and we forget to visit our four rooms. And there's also different life um, events that happen to us that we think, are, again, we're at a crossroads, uh, you know, we think we're at a dead end, um, like divorce or death of a loved one or the loss of a job. We're not. We're at a crossroad. We can pivot. Yeah. But we don't feel that way because we, we spend too much time maybe in our emotional room and we get caught up there in the woulda, shoulda, coulda. Um, I can't achieve. I can't do. I don't know how to do that. Well, my whole thing is I help my clients use an eraser with their, their pencil or an eraser to erase that apostrophe T. You can do. You can do anything you put your mind to. And oftentimes we just don't know that powerful word yet. I don't know how to do something yet. When I brought my business, my coaching business online, I know nothing about technology yet, but I didn't let it stop me. Do I make mistakes all the time? But I'm, we're all lifelong learners. We're yeah. teachers, we're students at the same time. And as long as we stay open to that and we build on that solid foundation, you know, that foundation is building that house on that physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual room. And, we can do anything. It's just a matter of setting in our intentions. So I love the word yet. That is powerful. Mm-hmm. And if people would just add that to the end of their mindset, their their sentences, right? I mean, the whole uh, new world would open up for them. When you took your coaching online and you didn't know technology, how old were you approximately? I was always, I was at that 50. Okay. So you were... <laughs> Yeah, you're in this, you're at this age where you're trying to do something online. You knew nothing about it. You have to learn. Have to learn. And I'm still learning. And that's okay because that's what it's all about. We need to be intentional. So when I say learning, I'm looking at my mental room, that intellect. I'm having great conversations like I'm having with you. I'm reading every single day. I'm reading something. I'm researching. I'm learning. That brings me back to when I was 14 in the library looking for safety. I was reading. I was learning. And so um, it's all a matter of applying yourself and being intentional. What would I like to learn? And we keep our brain functioning when we learn new things, when we're open to new ideas. It's amazing that as a 14 year old, you chose learning over drugs, over, you know, anything else out there. That's, that's pretty rare. I think it was, I mean, my, my siblings, I had some siblings, they, I was the first one in my uh, group of siblings to ever graduate from college. Mm -hmm. And I didn't stop at the first degree. I kept going. Uh, And I don't even know if some of them actually even received their high school diplomas. Right. I mean, they just life got cut off for them as a teenager and they had to go to work. Well, well, so did I, I went to work at, at two, three in the morning in a factory and worked all that, that time, went off to school, got out of school, went back to the factory and worked till seven o'clock at night. Wow. I did what I had to do. And one of the things I, I did very well was work. I didn't know how to live a life. I was too busy learning how to be an adult. Mm-hmm. And I missed out on my childhood. Yeah. Then um, I, as I keep going and I'm helping other people achieve their dreams and I'm helping others become authors. I've been a writing teacher for over 25 years. So you've, and you've written books yourself. Yes. I've started, I've got these independent, uh, these international bestsellers and I've started writing myself and publishing, helping others to get their, their why, because I believe everything falls in into your reason. What is your why? Why do you do what you are doing? I'm sorry, keep going. Well, I just want to, I want to be intentional. I want my clients to be intentional. I want your listeners to be intentional. Pick and choose how you want to live your life. Earlier, you said you don't know what uh, topic title to use for our talk. Well, when I describe myself, sometimes I say I'm I'm the 2.0 version because I had a health crisis. Yes. That allowed me to have a second chance. I want to get into that, but I want to go okay. back real quickly and discuss the why, because okay. a lot of the women that I coach and even just some of my best friends have 
told me that they don't have a why and they don't. And, and I get it because I've been there. You know, they've been busy raising kids or doing what they thought they were supposed to do. They, it never occurred to them that they could dream and dream big and find a why. So what do you say to someone, a, a woman who's suddenly faced with, okay, I've got to do something with the next phase of my life. I need a why, but she doesn't know how to find it. Can you touch on that? Like how you bring that out of your clients? Yes. That's finding that purpose. So why do you get up in the morning? Remember I said, you don't want to spend um, more time in one room over another. Sometimes, particularly women, they want to stay in bed and put the covers over their head. Okay. And I've been there. I wanted to just put the covers over because I couldn't believe that my life was turning out the way it was. Mm. That's not how it was supposed to be. I, I knew June Cleaver with the pearls and I knew, I knew even combining families like the Brady Bunch, Right. it was supposed to be different. Instead, I was facing abuse and all of these other things. And I was watching my siblings go down other roads and I didn't want that for myself. I wanted to prove everyone wrong. And I wanted to Show them that you can parent without um, hitting them and, and abusing them. I wanted to prove myself. Mm-hmm. And so I can remember, I think I was about seven years old. So it went back pretty early. I was up against a wall and I had my hands over my head. I was shielding myself and I was in the, like, the fetal position. And I was trying to pretend that I, I, they could see me as if, the, if I kept myself small. They couldn't see me. And I can remember praying and saying, God, please keep me safe. If you keep me safe, I will do my best to be a good girl. I, I, I'll, I'll live, you know, and, and I even don't even know where these words came from, but I'll live with grace and dignity. I want to live with grace and, and dignity. And so this led me down a path of, well, in order to live a life full of grace and dignity, I had to be intentional. And so that's what I had to learn. What did I want to do? So I wanted to make sure that my physical health was right. And when I say my physical health, um, I said I had health conditions. I have to make sure I drink my water. I have to make sure that I exercise my body and keep it moving. Because if not, I will be very much like the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. You had a heart attack or? Uh, No, I had, had, yeah, I had bilateral pulmonary emboli. So blood clots in both of my lungs which led to them discovering what they thought was a tumor in my right atrium. It turned out that I had a blood clot in my right atrium and they had to remove it. And so I had the emergency open heart surgery and which led to additional lung damage. Um, I don't know. I believe it's common for people that have heart open heart surgery that sometimes it affects their lungs. And so you're living with one lung. I have one lung working lung right now and it's, it is damaged. Um, and I know that, uh, I have faith that it also can be healed. Um, so uh, that's what I work with every day is that it's my intent to live my best life. So I make decisions in that regard. So what does your physical room look like? Because you know, you have to do maybe more work there sometimes than the other rooms. Would that be correct? Well, Well, I, I do have to do something every day. So I have to monitor my water intake. I have to be very careful, like with vitamin K. So I have to know about my foods that I eat and what I'm doing. Uh, But it's not just my physical body. It's the physical space you live in too. Right. Okay. So talk about that a little bit. So sometimes, and I I have clients, I tell them, you know, you have to unclutter. Sometimes it's, it's the clutter that's around you that is holding you down and weighing you down. And it can be that. It can also be your environment and taking care of your environment and your workplace. All of the, it, we live in a global society. Right. You need to take care of the global society. So right. your physical room is not just your body. Your mental room, it's your mind, but it's the thoughts that you have. So now we have to, I call it a garden. You have to weed a garden, right? You weed those weeds out, those negative thoughts, those self-sabotaging thoughts, they need to be weeded out. And the only person that can do that is you. You are the CEO of your life. So you have to take 100% responsibility for it and you have to do the work. And that means you do the physical work. 
You do the mental work. Like I said, you keep learning. You do that kind of thing. For your emotional room, and again, that can be a difficult one for lots of people because of that coping, learning those coping skills. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's breathing exercises become very important to me. So I have to, to do my breathing exercises. I Meditation is very important to me. I meditate every day. How long do you meditate for, Lisa? It changes all the time, but I start my day first with prayer. And it's a very simple prayer of Thanksgiving. And so then, so I start with prayer. I then I do my meditation and in my meditations, it can last from anywhere from 10 minutes to um, 30 minutes. And, and some days it's been up to 60 minutes because I don't know the clock. Um, if I don't have, you know, I know my, my schedule. So it allows me to to do that. And there are mornings that I'll get up earlier just to make sure I accomplish my routines because I believe in routines and rituals. Those happen. Mm -hmm. And then I go back to my prayer. I have a prayer book and I write down the names of people that write to me and ask for prayer. And and since they have seen the power in, in my faith and prayer, I have people I don't know from all over the world that said someone mentioned that you prayed for them. Well, my son is going through this. Can you pray for me? Mm-hmm. Um, my husband has this. His name is that. And I just, I don't even need, need to know the situation. I just, every day it's a ritual. I, I pray. Um, and I do that daily. It's part of my spiritual practice yeah. uh, for my spiritual room. I do my breathing exercises. Now that again, can just even like taking a walk out in nature. Some of the things that you choose to do intentionally they fall into all the different rooms. Right. When I go to take a walk for myself, I'm not only walking and it's helping my physical room, but it's helping my mental room because it allows sure. me to, to yeah. pluck out those negative thoughts. It helps me to uh, focus on the positive thoughts and the intentional thoughts. It helps me with my emotional room and coping skills so that I can cope with the things that pop up in life as they do. And then it helps me in my spiritual room because I love going to the church of the blue wide dome. uh, And so, um, yeah, so uh, it helps all four of my rooms. That makes so so much sense. Yeah. And speaking of negative thoughts, uh you've been through a lot, you know, you've experienced loss, you've, you've experienced health crises. Um, Do you ever get negative thoughts? And I'm sure you do, but how, have you just trained yourself to get rid of them immediately? How do you do that? Okay. So uh, it's strategies, techniques that I use okay. one, because I do the meditation, I believe that that helps center myself faster than it would if I didn't. Okay. My exercises that I do for breathing help again, calm me. And I also believe we're, we're responsible. Um, we can't control everything that is happening, but we can control how we respond. So by controlling how you respond, you have to, I say, push, pray until something happens. Mm. Um, So I I push, I I take a pause and I think about, well, what, what am I thinking? And why am I thinking this way? How do I need to reframe this? Maybe it's that just using that little word yet, or maybe it's not even my problem to worry about. We all have things we carry. Sometimes we're carrying things that don't belong to us. That's true. So it's it's a matter of putting them down. And so it's when you are self-aware uh, and you observe what you're thinking about, you learn the, your thinking patterns. And are you really thinking something that it belongs to you? Or does it really belong to my husband? Or does it belong to my children or my coworker? And as, again, it might not be mine to carry. You so don't I, own things that aren't yours to own. Exactly. And exactly. I think women typically uh, do this a they, lot. A lot. They, a very lot. And so one of the things that I do is I journal. I'm big into journaling practices. Uh, I have journaling books as well out there on the market that I love because it offers a prompt every day for those people that don't know how to journal or don't like journaling. And I have a couple of them that are actually three-year journals because it's so fun to go back and see what you answered previously in a year's time and then what your new answer might be. Yeah. Because we, as we grow, as we live and we grow, our answers can change and that's okay. Yeah. And, and it's wonderful to see how far we've come. When we stay stagnant, 
and we're only concentrating on what was me, what was me, and those negative thoughts, or we're looking to the future and we're not living in the now, or we're looking at the past and we're only living there. We're not placing our feet. We're not being intentional. Mm-hmm. So again, it's important to go into those four rooms. It's important to be intentional, make those decisions to make those practices, your rituals, your routines. I'm going to get up at X, whatever time in the morning, I'm going to start my day with prayer. I'm going to start my day with meditation. I'm going to go for a walk and do something physical Uh, for me. If I don't do my walk in the morning, it might not get done. Mm -hmm. So I know myself. You know that about yourself. Yes. And so I'm self-aware. And so I make it a habit of this is how it has to be for me. I know that for me, because I an achievement coach, I want to achieve a lot. Setting my intentions is very important to me. So I sit, sit down with my calendar, my planner. I know that I'm going to set out my, my month because I, I start big. I start, actually start out with my year. Okay. And if I'm really honest, I have a five-year and a 10-year yeah. plan too. Yeah. But I start with my year. Then I break it down. I put my big rocks in. And I really believe in fun- discovering what are your big rocks. You said you have friends that don't know their why. I start with trying to find, well, what are your big rocks? And what is important to you? What do you want to achieve? We got to schedule that first. We'll figure out how to get to, to it for in, a, right. in a minute, but let's figure out what that is. Yeah, and then you can reverse engineer. And, and then you can that's next. start with the end in mind. And so what are your big rocks? I put my big rocks in. Then I look at, at what do I have to do for um, my four rooms? What do I have to do to achieve my goals? I concentrate. I, I like to call it the big three, the top three. Pick three goals. Uh, what am I going to do this month? Take that and divide it down into chunks. Yeah, I teach something called Kaizen, which is a Japanese technique of doing small, consistent uh, changes every day to make progress. Mm-hmm. And by taking those intentional steps, you get to where you want to be. You sure. get the goal you want. But I don't ever want to achieve my goal and not have another one waiting for me. Because that's another problem women have. They have a goal in mind. Or they say, I'll be happy when I lose this weight. I'll be happy when I get this job. I'll be happy when I get a divorce. I'll be happy when my kids are out of the house. No, 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 no. You'll you'll be happy now. Yeah. (laughs) That's a tough one for a lot of us. That's right. You'll be happy now because that's a choice you're making. Mm -hmm. You're making a choice. When you say, I'll be happy when, that's a choice. That's a decision. You're 100% responsible for your life. You've decided I'll be happy then. You can be happy right now if you make that decision. So I have a question. For some women who are in situations that they shouldn't be in, like a toxic or abusive relationship, when they say, or when they hear, be happy now, they may internalize that as, I guess I got to stay and and deal with this. I can't get out because I'm supposed to be happy now. How do you differentiate that? Like, yes, you actually can exit this toxic situation and be happy while you're still in it. Like, does that make sense? It absolutely makes, makes sense because when you're in the, you're in your emotional room and that makes it really difficult. You've got to get out of that emotional room so that you can get to that mental room so you can think, or you can get to that spiritual room. Well, With that strong foundation, you're going to be able to stop and say, okay, what am I learning from this situation? And what is it trying to teach me? And one of the things that we have to remember is that we teach other people how to treat us. Yes. And so when we're, so you're, you're training them, you're teaching them that what you will accept. And so some of that behavior, that some of that toxicity is from what you've taught and you have to be able to, to be open and set those boundaries and say, this is not what I want to happen. This is not how I want to be. This is not my life. And here are the decisions I have to make to make that happen. And once you start taking more control of your thoughts, remember your thoughts create your feelings. Yes. Your feelings are going to create your actions or your inaction. Right. So you, you need to make sure that you're taking responsibility for that. So if I'm in a toxic relationship, I need to say, okay, stop. I need to pivot. So how can I pivot? 
I can one, I can leave the relationship and I can begin again. And now I have to find those steps on what I'm going to do to achieve that. Or I can go to my partner and say, this, this relationship's not working out for me because of X, Y, and Z. If we are to continue this relationship, then we're going to have to mutually come together and set some norms. Mm-hmm. And these norms have got to be, not, you know, rules. These norms have to be something we both agree to because we can stay together. 100% a marriage can stay together if we're both on the same page exactly, and working for the same things. Yes. But if one of us is not working for the same things, if I don't have the best interests of my partner, and at heart, when I'm making my decisions, then I'm creating these gaps. I'm creating these holes. And that relationship is going to fall through those holes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. How did you come to be an achievement coach? Uh, and how long have you been one? And what does that encompass? Because you're a writing coach as well. Does all of this fall under the umbrella of your, you're an achievement coach? Yes. So I'm an achievement coach. It started out with even that little girl that I was going to prove them wrong and Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to amount to anything. Well, my problem was I couldn't decide what do I want to do when I grow up. And I probably still can't decide what I want. (laughs) I know I'm there. Um, So I'm going to do it all. And that's a choice I make. But even that choice, there's a give and take in everything that you choose to do. You can only invest, you have 24 seven, right? And we don't know how many of those you have, but you have the same 24 seven that are all the great people in the world have had. Yeah. Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Helen Keller, Steve Jobs, anyone that has achieved and done anything, you have the same amount of time. What do you do with your time? Be intentional. So I started out by, I'm going to achieve uh, to prove them wrong. And it was a personal goal. I went on my spiritual pilgrimages um, because I w- was, t- well, let me back up. I, I went to college to become a teacher because that's what I thought I had to do. Sure. And I, I did that because I was told I couldn't be an author. And so I taught everybody else how to write. I taught everyone else how to do everything. And then one day I realized I have a dream on the shelf and I took it down mm. and said, I want to be an author too. And I always teach people, you write what you know. It's easier that way. Mm. Well, a house with four rooms is what I know. So that's that's the title of one of your books. That's the title of one of my books. And it explains the proverb and it's filled with journal entries. It's part memoir. You know, I do touch on some of my background, but it's got a lot of journal prompts in here and it helps women I wrote it for women, but I have yeah. men buy it too. Yeah, um, I love it. And are you a naturally uh, good writer or did you have to really learn the art of writing? I had to learn. I had to learn the, I had to hone the skill, right? Mm-hmm. And you can learn and do anything you want. Um, if you want to learn a foreign language and you invest the time, you can do it. If you want to um, play an instrument, you can do it. Sure. As far as writing, I tell my, my clients, oftentimes I have some clients that cannot for the life of them, put a sentence together. Right. That's okay. I'm an editor after, you know, that's what I do is I coach them. I get their, they get their thoughts and we articulate what they want. And then I can help them put it into the grammatical and unity and coherence so that it makes sense. Yeah. As a, as a writer, instructor as a coach I've done um ghostwriting how do I do that I spend time like with you I talk to you talk to you talk to you and I get you hear your voice right so now I know your cadence I know your beats I know how you you're putting your words together your sentences your thought patterns and now I take the bulleted information that you tell me this is what I need to make sure comes across to my reader I then leave it together I take the threads I weave it together. You make it sound like them. Yeah. Make it sound like them. We get back together. You read it. And sometimes people are like, you made me sound so smart. (laughs) I love it. Well, that's your job, right? (laughs) You do, you do so many things. Like I'm, I'm almost exhausted listening to everything you do, but inspired by it at the same time. It's like, 
how do you fit so much into your schedule? And and then these pilgrimages that you've taken, I know you touched on that briefly. I want to hear more about that. Like, what does that even look like? How are you able to do it? So my pilgrimages, um, I had always wanted to do the Camino de Santiago, yeah. which is the ancient pilgrimage across Spain. Actually, there are many pilgrimages and, and trails, but I wanted to do the ancient one that starts in France at St. jean pied port up over the Pyrenees Mountains and all the way across Spain. It was over 500 miles for us because we did, um, there was actually three pilgrimages that we did. And you did and it with I, a group? No, I did it with my, the first time I did it with my son. And um, I was going to go by myself. Actually, we had planned when he was 12 years old, we had planned to do it together wow. and it never happened. And then I felt called to go. I wrote to him. He was uh, living in, in South Korea at the time and he was teaching English there. I said, I feel called to go. I'm going to start training because I was never really a walker or a hiker. And he says, you're not going alone. It's our trip. I'm coming home. We're going together. And we celebrated his 28th birthday at the lighthouse in Finisterre, Spain, where uh, Columbus said it was called the, the end of the world. It's where the Atlantic Ocean meets. Okay. And um, and I'll, I'll never forget walking in, up to the lighthouse and I had a, prepared us a little dinner of sandwiches and fresh meats and thin cheese. And I pull out a bottle of wine and we toast his birthday. And then we pull out, I pulled out the, the little tiny birthday cake and he looks at me and he says, mom, where'd you get that? And then he said, have I been carrying that? I said, yes, you have. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Is, is this your same son that you lost, Lisa? No, this is, that was my younger son. Um, recently, I, uh, I lost my older son and COVID. And again, and I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, I was describing it and I still sometimes do, I'll say roller coaster ride, but now I'm, I'm really the, the, the vision is changing to a windstorm because I'm learning so many lessons from it. And I've helped other people with, um, with grief over the years in my coaching. Now I have a different um, perspective Sure. and, uh, and I understand a little bit more than I thought I did. Yeah. Education can only go so far. Experience really takes over. And, and fortunately, I don't have that experience, um, but I know some women do. It's not natural to have to bury your own child. And I can't imagine that kind of grief and what, when, and how that feels. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing because a, a song will come on or um, I'll cook a meal and I'll, and it was his favorite, you know, or um, something will happen and it's just a reminder yeah. and I wish there were you know there were a lot of um a lot of different memories I mean from A to Z and so it's a long long way yeah but okay so back to your pilgrimage your other son was with you yeah and and then was that the first one you did that's the first one yeah okay. we, we did over 500 miles the second one I did after my health scare for 2.0 um, I knew, knew I wasn't as stronger. Um, I only did 300 miles and with one lung with one lung. Yes. I was much slower and, um, but I did it and it's simply again, intentionally placing one foot in front of the other Yeah, and, and really knowing that, um, we're not alone. Everyone has been on that path before us. Uh, we just have to find our way. How much of that pilgrimage, the one step in front of the other served as a metaphor for you as you're doing it? I mean, how many metaphors did you have going on in your head at that time? A writing teacher. I have a lot. Yeah. A lot of them, right. And, and so, yeah, it, that, that's, what are you going to carry? What's in your backpack? I have all of these different analogies that I use in my teaching because people can relate. You know, Cindy, we have more in common than what separates us. Yeah. Even at, you know, women don't especially. We we have this nurturing sense for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um we have the uh, many of us put ourselves on the back burner. We, we don't practice self-care. No. We take care of everyone else. Well, my whole thing is I, I didn't have anyone to take care of me. And so No, you didn't. You were you were alone and, and I'm guessing even before you were homeless, you were not nurtured. 
I was not nurtured. No, I, I, I was beat up and bruised and, and, you know, kicked and told I wasn't going to amount to anything. And life was difficult. And I've had lots of those difficult times, but I've also had that pendulum on that grandfather clock that said, you're, you're not down. The only way you're going to fail is if you quit. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not a quitter. I'm a worker. I know how to work. I know how to achieve. It's the downtime I have trouble with. It's the, you know, that relaxation and all of that. But I'm learning that. I'm a, I, I think I told you once before that I, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Yeah. And so I'm learning that. I'm showing myself grace. So I'm giving myself to um, like, I'm building a rock garden right now. Um, and I'm just learning something new. And I have another little garden with my vegetables. But guess what? I'm still visiting my four rooms because these activities, I'm learning something new. It's getting me outside. It's something physical. It's something spiritual. And it helps my emotional state. Yeah. So how important it, is it as we age to continue to learn, to oh. learn new things? Because a lot of people retire and then they just stop. They become stagnant. That was it. That was life. Now I'm just going to coast. Yeah. Let's go back to my saying about having those, having a goal. Always have another goal that's that's a little bit ahead of the other one. Because again, some yeah. people reach that pinnacle, that goal, and they think, oh, there's nothing else now. I'm right. done. That was my goal. And then they screw up really. I mean, that's when a lot of men do. I've seen the pattern where a lot of men will have a goal. They achieve the goal. And then they call it a midlife crisis. And they just fall apart because yeah. they achieve that goal well guess what it's you have to have another goal it, it doesn't end there you have to keep learning you have to keep doing so I'm big I, I call it in my my membership I call it discover design develop and do so discover what turns you on what what you're passionate about align your goals and your values with those intentional things then design the life you want, be intentional, that intentional life. Mm -hmm. So now you've designed it. Now you have to develop a plan. How am I going to get it? And I like to talk about what Stephen Covey talked about. Start mm -hmm. with the end in mind and you work your way back. Mm -hmm. And I, Stephen Covey even said you had to sharpen your saw, keep learning, yeah. right? You always find, go and find mentors. And that's how you and I met through finding other yeah. mentors. Yeah. And, and coaches and we even as a coach and we still need coaches. And so we, we go out there and we keep doing. So you develop a plan. So right now I have a health coach. My health coach helps me formulate my, you know, we meet, we talk, we set goals for myself. And here it is. I'm an achievement coach. I should be able to do this for myself. Yeah. But guess what? There's another secret. We all need an accountability partner. Right. You have enough self-awareness to understand that you need somebody to mentor you as well. Absolutely. And that's how we grow. That's yeah. how we learn. So is it important to keep learning? Absolutely. Develop, figure out what you want, figure out a design, a plan, develop the steps to get there and then take action. Do the steps. I love that. A lot of people don't, you know, they can design it and develop it, but then they don't do and they don't do they're stuck in the how do I take that first step first step the only way to take the first step is to lift your foot up and take the first step and exactly. it won't look pretty right I mean sometimes we think we have to do things perfectly before we can get started and that can really trip us up too don't you think absolutely I have a client and she came to me she's 100 pounds overweight and she didn't understand that um we had to talk, we had to talk about what she was, the decision she was making and the intentions that she had. Her intention is to be healthy. Her intention is to lose that 100 pounds. But on that first day that we started talking, she wasn't going to lose that 100 pounds. Right. right? And she's lost well over 60 pounds now, but mm. it's been intentional weight that she's released. And she's done that practicing K's and small, consistent steps forward she didn't gain that 100 pounds overnight. Exactly. But you can't expect that to disappear overnight. 
that toxic relationship you find yourself in, it didn't happen overnight. It happened over time. Right. And so now we have to break that down and figure it out. Do you think that one of the big keys that a lot of people are missing is consistency and they can do anything or have anything they want as long as they consistently work at it? Do you believe that? Yes, I do. Because here's the thing, any diet will work. Right. But you have to be consistent at it. And so oftentimes people will go on a diet, they lose all that weight, and then they think, oh, I'm done with that. It's great. And then they gain all that weight plus some more. And so they broke their routines. I'm all about rituals, routines. I am too. In fact, one of the things I do intentionally every day, I start my day with making my bed. And it's a big deal for me. But it's, um, you know, I talk about it in my book too, making your bed, make your bed. And it seems so trivial, but it creates a win for yourself. First thing in the morning sets a pattern of success for the entire day. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. For some women, it's their kitchen sink. Yes. They have to make sure their kitchen sink is clean. They can't go to bed with dirty dishes in the sink. And so they have to do that. Um, Another thing is something called UFOs unfinished um, projects, right? You have, you, I'm a sewer too. So I, I do a lot of um, projects. You do and, everything. It's amazing. Yeah. And so, I, but I have them, they're started and then I start another and then I start yeah. another. And, and so sometimes you have to be intentional and say, you know, I'm not starting another project yeah. until I finish something else. Or for some of us, when we go shopping and we buy something, I'm going to get rid of, like, if I buy three new oh, things. Oh, that's a big one. That's a big one. Okay. So all of these strategies, all of these systems help give us these life management systems yeah. so that we can achieve both both in our personal and our professional lives. Yeah. Why do you think coaching is so popular right now? People are hurting. People, people and so why aren't, they, why aren't they seeking out maybe therapy? People are really looking to coaches. And why do you think that is? Um. You know, I have a lot of uh, of my clients that have either already been to their therapist mm-hmm. and it didn't work for them, or they're still in therapy and then they come to me as their accountability partner. Um, also, I ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. when, with my clients and I let them talk and, and then sometimes I respond um, to their questions and then I hold them 100% accountable. I mean, this is your right. life. I guess that might be the key is the accountability and the helping them develop strategies, like tangible, actionable Action. strategies. Yes. Yeah. I, I have a client right now. He wants, he's writing a uh, fantasy novel and, uh, you know, it should have been done by now, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'll, he doesn't want me to, you know, he didn't hire me to push him. He hired me to guide him. Yeah. And, when I say, you know, what's our timeline and he keeps changing his timeline. And I'm like, you know, we don't have to change this timeline. You could get this done. That's not my, my thing. I'm going to do what, what my client, what their goal is, what they want to achieve. Now, when he tells me I'm ready to achieve this. Then you can hold his feet to the fire. Yeah. I can hold his feet to the fire. Ch- switching gears a little bit. You're talking about writing and coaching people on how to write. Um, what would you say to somebody who wants to write a book, but they have no idea how to even start? What, what do you say to them? How do you get them started? A couple of things. One, I, I teach something called the brain dump. And so the brain dump is just getting it down on paper. And for some, that's very intimidating. So now I say, okay, go out and get yourself a recording device. Guess what? Most of us have a recording device yeah. in our so you now you can record your thoughts and that uh that that makes it a little bit less intimidating for some people okay so just do a brain dump everything that you're putting down in that on that paper chances are it's not all going to make it into a book right you're gonna gonna have too much you're going to pick and choose and that's one of the things that i teach as a a writing and a book coach is i think of a funnel Uh, the funnel has a point on it for a reason all that stuff is going in at the top and what falls out is what actually lands in the book and so that's what i help them do is narrow it down Mm -hmm. so we go we go from a very broad general topic or thing and to be more specific Mm -hmm. and and that way that they can get that book done and it's not a tool that you need you know a forklift to lift take with you do you take everyone from the brain dump all the way to publishing Mm -hmm. 
yeah, if that's what they want. I have some that have um, hired me to do the, the brain dump and the organization. So we come up with their chapters and we, we actually, um, again, we design a plan. And then we, some, I develop, we develop the steps together. We come up with the steps. So some, it might be, they work best by having uh, scheduled blocks of time for writing. So no matter what happens, whether they have a blank page and they can't think of anything, that one hour or whatever time we put together, they can't do anything else but write. Okay. So you meet your clients individually where they're, where they're at. I have have clients that come to me and say, listen, I've got a manuscript. I really want to publish this. What do you think? So they'll hire me. I'll do a, what is, is known as a review and I'll give them a personal review. It's not something that they want to tell anyone else. It's just, sure. that. okay. And then I tell them where the holes are, where the, uh, like for one book, I was, um, uh, the characters and where the characters fell apart or where the dialogue didn't quite make sense. And I help them put that together. Then I have another book, um, book client that right now, what we're doing is I actually, quite frankly, should probably be a co-writer on this book with the amount of brainstorming and the information that I'm, I'm, I'm giving um, to her, but it's, it's, oh my gosh, it's like being, I'm a mom and a grandparent and a great grandmother. Yeah. I love seeing the their, people's eyes light up. And that's what happens with some of my clients when they just, when you see someone achieve their goal and you were, you know, they trusted you to be a witness to yeah. that. That just, just fills me up. I can tell it does. You, <laughs> yes, I can really see that in you. So what's next for you, Lisa? You're an author, you're a coach, you do all these things. What's next for you? What's the next big rock for you? So, so the next big rock for me, there's actually a couple going on in my life right now. Like I said, you don't want just one goal because okay. once you achieve that, you need to have something to go. So um, right now I'm working on a cookbook. Um, oh, that's right. You told me that. Okay. Um, I'm pretty excited about it because I'm not a great cook and, but yet my children used to call me a good cooker and I, <laughs> love, I do love to eat. And I really love the slow uh, food movement. And it was started out in Italy a long time ago, in the early 60s, 70s. Slow food movement. Yeah. yeah it's, it's moved here into America. It's in big in California. And it's, and it's, it's, it's like um, farm to table. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's really something that we've learned given the pandemic and now with the gas prices. And we start to think about where does our food come from and how much diesel is in the truck to get it to the supermarket, to get it to me. So really what is that food costing and you know, who is, who are those middlemen and all of that. So now I'm starting to think of ways to combine food that, that is, First of all, easy to prepare, delicious, but also has a connection to a story. Things are ah, story. I love it. Yeah. So, so I'm, you know, where's your food from? And so um, I've already visited, I was on a book tour for, for a house with four rooms, but I knew I was doing this book, uh, the cookbook coming up. So I started visiting different people and interviewing people that have different, um, lifestyles um i've been to a few of alpaca farms and to learn what they're doing i've been to some wineries uh because i i do like um wine and infuse some of my um marinades and things like that so i've been uh, we've been to some farms and i'm learning about chickens and fresh eggs oh how cool again you got to keep learning so i'm learning and I'm taking what I'm learning and I'm going to put it in book form, but it all, it's going to have stories. Each recipe will have some kind of I story. love it. I love it. And so after the cookbook, then, then what's next? So I'm getting healthy because I want to go back to the Camino and I want to do the Portuguese route, which is the um, water route along the water. It's mm-hmm. a, about 100 miles so it should be um i've had some other additional health problems so um even though if you ask my doctor they'd say no she's not doing that but yes um (laughs) doing that lisa yes she is um it's only 100 miles and so my intent is to do that 
yeah, is to do that. And I've also have a trip I'm planning for next year. I'm hoping to leave roughly around June 15th to go to Alaska. Um, yeah, I'm working out my itinerary and what we'd like to do. I'm learning how to fish because I'm, I'm, I'm learning to salmon fish. Yeah. And I want to catch some salmon because a lot of my recipes are going to deal with salmon. You can catch a lot of that up here. And when it comes right out of the river, it is the most delicious thing. <laughs> yes. And healthy. That's so, exciting. So, so very great. cool. So how can people reach you? If, if somebody wants to work with you or just pick your brain or whatever, how can they reach you? So first of all, they can go to my website, which is www.lisamagrath.me. So me, okay. Dot me is the important part. Start me. Okay. And if if it's a book client, I do have a separate one, and that's um, www.pageswithpurpose.org. Pages with purpose, and I teach a course, and in that course, I help um, mostly it's entrepreneurs, coaches, and aspiring writers take that author's journey. So in six weeks' time, I teach them all the ins and outs about publishing and writing their story and finding their why. And it helps them leverage their business if they have a business because now they're a published author. And in the last two years, I've helped well over a hundred authors or entrepreneurs become international best-selling authors. Wow. And they're going on to do TED Talks. They're doing keynote speaking, uh, writing their own book now that they've realized, yes, I can achieve that. I can do it. And so um, it's, yeah, it's just. Wow. And it, I'm, I'm sitting here like, I want to hire her. I want to, <laughs> I just want to be in your space every day because you are truly, you're such a light. I love your energy. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. Absolutely. I, you live once. Some yes. of us are lucky. I have 2.0 going on. And so I really feel lucky. My business coach just had open heart surgery himself and he's 3.0. I mean, he's this because he had already had a, he was already at 2.0. So he's 3.0. And it's like, you know what? You're here for a reason. You might not know what that reason is, but it's your job to be successful at finding that reason. I love it. And and that's a, that's the perfect way to wrap this up. We only have one life. You've got to make the most of every single minute of it. That's exactly right. And take responsibility for it. So, so now find your, you know, what's your next chapter going to be, you know, make sure you're taking care of that physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual room, that space so that you're strong and ready for those opportunities. Exactly. You're not ready for that opportunity. You're always going to think the other guy's the lucky one. Right. But no, you can be the lucky one. Just be ready for that opportunity. I love it. Thank you so much, Lisa. So much great advice and great insight. I could literally talk to you for a few more hours. So we're going to have to revisit this at some point. I would We'll do a 2.0 podcast with Lisa. Oh, there you go. That would be terrific. Thank you so much for being on the call today and I appreciate you and we'll visit again. Yes. Thank. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And please, if you enjoyed the program today, please feel free to share. I appreciate you get out there and start living your best damn life until next time. Take care.